Welcome to The Heart of the Cards, a conversation about creativity, inspiration, and dealing with what we're dealt. With your hosts, Dan Green and Eric Stewart. Welcome to The Heart of the Cards, a conversation about creativity, inspiration, and dealing with what you're dealt, but specifically, we're continuing our conversation about mentors. I'm Dan Green. Talented voice actor, writer, and artist, I must say. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I'm joined by... Eric Stewart. Who is known for his voiceover work as well, and also a musician extraordinaire. Oh, thank you, my friend. <laughs> you've, you've earned it. You've earned it. Thank you. Um, it's not just my opinion. And uh, we've been talking about, in uh, this discussion of the hero's journey, as established by Joseph Campbell, various points on that journey, and we were recently talking about mentors. So part two of this conversation continues on that thread. So, Eric, well, you... Previously, were letting me go on and on about uh, pe- people who fit that role for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but but I think you deserve a turn too. <laughs> um, all right. So so my my next one, which uh, sort of uh, guided me into a career path that I was not expecting at all, was I was working. I had left uh, school mm-hmm. because I was uh, not happy with uh, that direction of my life, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to play music. That's what I really wanted to do. So. Uh-huh. But I always worked. I always found some job here or there. And during the summers, I would go out to uh, – we had a summer house out in uh, the Hamptons. And uh, my best friend, uh, his family owned a tennis club. And so I'd always find a job there or cleaning pools or doing construction or whatever. And uh, I was working at the tennis club that summer. And one of the members came up to me and said, uh, hey, Eric, I hear that you're interested in uh, you know working in a studio or something like that. Um, I own a recording studio. My partner and I own a recording studio in New York, and uh, we could use a new assistant. Are you interested in interviewing for the job? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be doing. Mm. So I went into this studio, and it was a tiny little production uh, house uh, right across the street from the Empire State Building, very cool location on 31st Street and 5th. And it was this tiny two-room studio. So it had uh, Studio A and Studio B. They were there, you know, one was a little bit bigger than the other. A waiting room and a tiny office. That was the entire facility. It was, it was, you know, New York style, right? Because you can't necessarily pay for a lot of real estate. Of course. <laughs> and the the woman that uh, initially invited me to uh, come and interview is named Amy. And uh, Amy introduced me to her partner Alice. Now Alice Whitfield. And I can even sum up Alice Whitfield in one um, <laughs> uh, one podcast. I, 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 it would be a miracle, but I'll try. <laughs> so this uh, this amazing woman, she had done. Um, she was in Jacques Brel's Alive and Well and Living in Paris. She was one of the four stars of that mm-hmm. uh, show, mm-hmm. and so that was her sort of like launching pad. Young, young star, and had gone into advertising. She was a voice actress and a singer and uh, a writer. She wrote musicals. She did all sorts of things that you could. Uh, I mean, just a multi-talented person, and also tough as nails, uh, smart. Um, you know, funny, I mean, just hilarious woman and incredibly kind. Mm. So I walk in Mm -hmm. and she is, she's tough with me and she sees I'm, I'm actually a little shy because I, I've never worked in an office in my life. I've worked, you know, I've done other jobs, but I've never had to answer the phone. And this is to me, what's just kind of funny about what I do for a living and the fact that my biggest phobia (laughs) 
was talking on the phone. Really? Yes, I had phonophobia, <laughs> as we called it. I I didn't <laughs> like it. And and you know, I I, I as a side uh, note, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I find myself to be very good at reading people. Okay. And I read people with both body language and you know the facial expressions and just the nuance of conversation. And to isolate it into just the speaking, it, it sort of, it makes me suspicious. I'm not quite sure what the situation is because, you know, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. I think everybody is trying to pull one over on me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Alice brought me in and she said, okay, great. Have you ever done anything like this or this and this? And I'm like, no, but, you know, I want to learn and whatever it, it takes. So I started with the Karate Kid version of uh, working there. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wiped down the countertops. I made the Coffee, you know, wax on, wax off. Uh, I was a production assistant. I took the garbage out, things like that. And um, I learned how to answer the phone. That was a big deal. She would stand behind me and scold me every time I would, uh, you know, stumble or yeah. get confused or, um, yeah. you know, I'd have to constantly put the people on hold so that she could, you know, tell me how to do it right. And then I'd get back on. But all of this stuff was uh, invaluable. I mean, I I, it's, to this day, we still joke around, you know, she's like, look at all the things you do with, with your speaking voice and you couldn't answer the phone. <laughs> so um, so she took me in and it was about maybe the second week of working there. You know, clients would come in and they'd go into Studio A, the big room, and I would still be doing my stuff, cleaning the, the you know, the, the kitchen area, making the coffee and um, trying to answer the phone. Um and I said to her at one point, like, when do the bands start coming in to record? Like, do, do we do any music? You know, and mm. she said, actually, we don't do much music at all. We do some jingles here and there, but we produce radio and TV voiceovers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I knew you did a little bit of that, but that's, oh, yeah. She's like, we cast, we produce. That's what we do. And I was like, okay, the, I know voice actors are a job, but that's enough work to keep somebody, you know, alive and, you know, eating and uh, oh, keeping a roof over their head. She's like, yeah, you know, this is this is like they're like the unknown millionaires. And I was like, wow. Well, and this is back at a time where that was true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's changed. You know, I'm I'm right out of college. I mean, I'm like 18 years old. And, you know, this is, you know, late, late 80s. I learned in that studio from Alice, I learned how to uh, run a casting session. Do a breakdown when you get a when you get a script. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, for those who are not familiar with the term, you know, if it calls for a male and a female reading together, it'll see how old they are, and yeah. you know that you make a list of the of the uh, you know, and you talk to the different agents and you get suggestions. You also ask for people as you start to know the actors uh, that are out there. So I would run a casting session. I learned how to edit on on tape with a razor blade um, <laughs> from Alice. Um, uh, I mean, that's that, that's amazing to me. That that's why you went through so many computers when Pro Tools came out. That's right. You're still using the <laughs> razor blade <laughs> and a hammer when I get mad at it. Um, right, right. And so she she taught me that side of it, and also the business side. This was a small company, so everybody was involved in everything and how payroll worked and and how a small business. What an enormous scope for you to be. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. And also, as as tough as she was. The humor and, you know, just there were times where, you know, things were tough for a small business and we would we would try to come up with different ways that, they, that we could earn money. And, and you know, the way we did casting, we branched into a little on camera stuff like that. Alice was also famous for for a New York uh, supermarket chain uh, radio campaign called Nick and Alice. Nick D'Agostino uh, owned 
D'Agostino's uh, grocery store, which was this great family-run business. And Nick and Alice would do this two-character radio spot, and she wrote them, and she was so funny doing them, and she sang the jingle, which was on the radio all the time. If I played it for you and you lived in the New York area, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I know that song. Right. Um, but anyway, so we went, we went from all of that to then I was directing and producing for clients. Um, the advertising agencies would come in and I would be the in-house director and producer for them. You stepped it up. And yeah, I mean, and this is all, I worked there for 10 years and basically Alice was like, I am going to teach you everything that I know and turn this over to you. She basically retired and said, you know, you're, you're going to run it. And so I ran the studio as well. So I was booking the, the sessions and I was producing and directing, supervising some of the payroll stuff. And all of that stuff is because of this woman that looked at this a very green young man mm -hmm. who obviously wanted to be there but had no clue about this business. Right. And taught me everything she possibly could. And the things that come out of my mouth when I'm directing um, or working on a project they're her phrases. Right, right. I mean, I still say what she said. Um, and, th and those that have learned from me, it's funny. There's a couple of directors that took over for me, uh, you know, four kids and things like that. And uh, the engineers will say, oh, my goodness, they're saying what you said. And I'm like, yeah, well, actually, they're saying what Alice said, <laughs> um, because that's those are the terms that I that I use. But um, mm -hmm. an amazing woman. Um just really uh, helped shape me and introduce me to a career path that I really didn't expect. So she's number she's number two. Right. I was yeah. just going to observe that when you put number one and number two together, it really gives a, a nice backdrop to the life that is your forefront. Right. You can see yeah. how each of those impacted the course of your life in a very, very clear way. As an independent production company, Audromeda greatly benefits from the support of its audience. If you're able to contribute as little as a dollar a month, consider going to our Patreon page. Any support you can give means a lot to us creators, and we're excited to bring you more. Visit AndromedaProductions.com and see what's in store. If this is content you enjoy, please like, subscribe, and share on YouTube. And this this goes to when we were talking about uh, the apprenticeship or, yeah. or learning from someone who does what you want to do. Now, if you know what you want to be and you know what craft you want to you know pursue, then great, you can go find that carpenter or you can go find that plumber or whatever and be that apprentice. But when you're in the entertainment business or you want to be in the entertainment business and you're not quite sure which skill you want to use, right? You know, I didn't know to go and look for Alice mm -hmm. because that was not what I thought I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I knew I wanted to be a musician in seventh grade. I loved performing. So Mike, you know, just happened to be the guy that was there at that time and was kind enough to take us on. With Alice, it was, hey, you know, this is an opportunity. I should see what this is all about. And then I was introduced to something that I didn't know was even a full career. And that's another reason why I've said to a lot of the, the, the fans and the people that have come up to us at conventions and, and, and spoken to us about their pursuit is that you don't necessarily know what your options are unless you do a little bit of uh, exploring. Mm -hmm. You might think, oh, I want to, I've had people say, I want to be a cartoon voice actor. And I'm like, well, that's just a small part of being a voice actor. And then again, you might want to be just an actor. 
True. You might decide that you, you know, oh, well, I don't know if I'm good enough, good enough uh, a looking person to be an on-camera person. I'm like, that. no. If you look at what's going on in the casting world right now, who knows what the quote-unquote type is anymore? That's true. So if you're talented, you might get a role on camera. So don't go in thinking I can, you know, don't sort of pigeonhole yourself like that because you never know mm-hmm. um, what the other options are. So I, I'm all about exploring that kind of the, the journey is, well, where, where do I want to land? How, how do I know I want to be a voice actor? How do I know I want to be a musician? Right. Unless I meet people that are doing this stuff and I, and I shadow them, you know? Which is, I hope, something that uh, inspires people to, to make those searches. You have to hunt down your mentor. You can't expect it necessarily to come knocking on your door as it might present itself in a movie or a myth, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you don't necessarily have your greatness thrust upon you. Listen to what that creative call is within you and help yeah, yourself by finding a match to somebody who can take you at least a little ways down that road to, so you'll know whether or not that's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, have, do you have a number two on the list? Well, I, I opened with two. Oh, right. This would be number three. I, I, I can't count. That's my weakness. My weakness is math. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. So uh, I would be remiss not to acknowledge essentially all of my teachers at Rutgers. I also want to say a, a huge gratitude to all of the teachers who put up with my craziness, literally, in mm-hmm. high school. I mean, they just wanted to see me graduate to the next grade. You know, they were telling me to take home the, the, the test. Take it home. Take it home and do the test. <laughs> just bring it back so I can give you a grade. And, you know, <laughs> they were really you know, trying to help. And um, anyway, so uh, but in terms of uh, influence that I still work with every day, I mentioned in the last podcast that my mom got me these drawing lessons with a local comic book artist. Well, this guy, really nice guy, never was a superstar comic book artist. He taught me the fundamentals, though, of some drawing and in, in a comic book style. Mm-hmm. And, and so then he said, come up with some characters. And that was my first exposure to the idea that I should come up with something like that, as opposed to enjoying stories that I'm being told, come up with some of my own. It's a bit of a, a, a step up from playing with the toys from the shows that you like. Of course, you'll make up stories with your toys, right? Your action figures and whatnot. But they're still kind of borrowed characters, right? So I developed a couple of really bad, stupid characters, but great for if you're 10 years old. Right. And I also hung on to some of those ideas. And to this day, I have a character that I would love to be able to represent in some form. I was initially thinking in a comic book form back when I was a kid, but it could be a movie, it could be a novel, it could be a radio play, it could be an illustrated audio drama. And everything that I have added to my understanding of what makes a character, which comes up when you're doing acting work, and also how to write and create a story and what kind of story. Writing a novel is different than writing an episode of TV, for instance, or even a comic book. They all have their own specific elements, right? Their milieu, as it were. Mm -hmm. I want to thank that illustrator for asking me to do something that I had no idea I would be so engrossed in doing to this day. That's great. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. The Heart of the Cards is a great podcast, and Crossing the Gods is something that we've enjoyed working on. Mm -hmm. So many of the things that I just talked about there apply to what we're doing with Crossing the Gods. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, that's that's another thing. Like, you were drawing as a young man. Right. um, And maybe back then you thought to yourself, 
this would be cool to do. Right. But until you actually meet somebody who does it for a living, <laughs> you, right. you say, oh, wait, this this is something I could do. And especially if they are saying, <laughs> hey, you've got talent. Um, yeah. You know, you need, you need some guidance. And uh, when you actually see that it's a tangible thing, it's not so, uh, you know, out of, you know, reach to say, well, yeah. maybe I should do this. And, and also, I think pursuing these things, unfortunately, so much of art is based on uh, it, the, the amount of income you make by doing it, which is unfortunate because um, I don't think that uh, there are many, many artists who did not make a living when they were alive. So um, many. But they were still very talented. And yeah. um, it's too bad that, you know, you, you don't measure talent <laughs> uh, by, by paying the people what, what they're worth. Right. Um, so a lot of times we say, well, that's great and all that you are an incredible artist, but, you know, artists are starving and so uh, you should become a doctor. Now, I have nothing against doctors, right? But right. Uh, but sometimes when we see when we see someone doing something that we enjoy doing, and they're actually uh, just doing it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, speaking about doing things, getting things you know done, like you know what you're doing. Uh huh. What if we checked in with our friend the wizard Tipcentrix? Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's see what the wizard has to say. Welcome to Wizardly Words of Wisdom. I am your host. Tips and tricks. And today, or tonight, or, well, you could be listening to this in the afternoon, or even the evening, I don't know about that. But I do know a few things about writing a book. First, start with writing a short or shorter story. Everyone wants to make a grand novel, but maybe start with baby steps first. That way you get to really understand what the craft of writing is all about. Second, Keep a list of inspirations that could be anything from characters to themes to locations or anything that gets those creative juices flowing. You never know when they'll come in handy. And third and finally, eliminate distractions. Virginia Woolf once wrote, A woman must have money and a room of her own if she is to write. This has to do with eliminating those things that busy the mind that have nothing to do with what it is you're trying to write. An author must have time to concentrate, a time to imagine, to bring the right words to bear. And finally, and third... Oh, wait. Um, well, did we already do three? I'll give you one more, just because I like you. Find your own voice. Yes, we may imitate those we admire, but don't forget... You makes you unique. <laughs> you see what I did there with the, the spelling and the letters and the words? And, oh, dear. Well, that's all I have for you for now. I'll look forward to the next time where I can share with you some wizardly words of wisdom. Once again, some clear, constructive advice about... How to approach something, especially something that you haven't done before. I mean, who knows if you're going to be a great author, right? But you, you got to you gotta listen to those, you know, things that pull on you to try something new. Exactly. I mean, look, there's no guarantees, right? But hmm. um, you've got to follow what motivates you, right? You're, you're touching on something that reminds me of a, a part of a conversation I like to have with any of the students that I'm working with. Evaluating why you're pursuing this creative thing typically I'm having this conversation who are coming here to learn how to do character work and I need to make sure they understand how unlikely it is that they'll make any relevant amount of money doing that. Mm -hmm. But why are you doing it? 
Does it have value because it brings money or does it have value? Right. Because it's a good thing to do. Exactly. I know for myself that when I'm in a show, a series or what have you, or I'm doing audiobooks for a couple weeks or whatever, I generally have a better outlook on life because I get something out of performing. Mm-hmm. It, it's just something I enjoy doing. And so I think there it is unfortunate that people feel forced to choose between an economic choice and a creative choice so often. Right. And if you can if you can find a job that yeah pays your bills but gives you the flexibility to be an actor or a musician or whatever, um, that's of course that's the magic, you know, equation. Yeah. Um you know, which is why many actors or waiters or, or you know things like that are are, are uh, are in the service industry because they think I could switch my schedule. I can I I have my I can work nights and have my days free for auditions. Those are choices too that you need to make. I mean, I I've never been in a position where I I wasn't working. I wasn't finding a way to right. earn money to then pursue the thing that I wanted to do. Um, and of course, I'm I'm definitely uh, I find myself you know I'm definitely lucky that the thing that I do to earn money is something that I also enjoy doing, which is, of course, voice acting. I, sure. You know, but that is my, that's my gig. That's my, that's my quote unquote, that's my job. Right. And your passion is more your music. Right. But both things are things I enjoy. Right. Um, and it's great that, the, but it's still, uh, one must be responsible uh, and 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 not feel like you know because then you get the pressure of well I'm not making enough money at, at doing doing any of my music so I'm gonna stop doing it right there's um, a coexistence and, that, that and can that's un, and that's yeah. unfortunate yeah. that's unfortunate um, I'm gonna say the third mentor and and I think this is the my 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 third of three okay um, <laughs> uh, is uh, so so when I when I was touring. Um, uh, with Ringo in, and the All-Stars, the group was made up of, of some of the greatest, you know, classic rock musicians around. And and one of them was uh, Peter Frampton. And, and Peter... Yeah. And Peter uh, and I became friendly on the tour. I wasn't really hanging with those guys too much. I was the solo opening act, so at least I could hang out with them and not crowd them, um, <laughs> uh, you know, as if I was traveling with a full band. But we, we struck up a friendship, and uh, he was kind enough that when we finished the tour, offered to produce my album and to come down to Nashville to do it. And so this was a big deal. Uh, I, had, I had watched, what I would do is I would play my set and then I'd step out into the audience and watch the All-Stars play every night. Mm -hmm. Basically being a sponge and watching the interaction, watching the musicianship, but also uh, I think the most important thing that I was trying to, to digest was the performance side. The, the art of if things weren't going right, how do you make it so the audience doesn't even notice? If you were playing the same songs every night for 30 nights, how do you make it fresh every night? Because that audience is a different audience. You know, how do you how do you bring that same show without seeming like you're, oh, I'm so exhausted or you know, I'm bored with the stuff. I've been playing these songs forever. And I watched Peter do this every night with the band. These were things that I was, you know, tucking away in my brain, going, okay. Take note, do that. That's good. Okay. The, you know, things that didn't work, things that did work. And then we went and into the studio together, and I got to really work very closely with him. And beyond the music and the uh, the production and the, and the thrill of working with someone like that in the studio, what was really so educational for me mm -hmm. was when you are working with someone 
that is uh, so well-known, loved, has had uh, incredible fame, and still can look at a younger person who is in the business and say, I'm going to give you some information. I'm going to give you some guidance of how you take this journey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you uh, the things to be aware of, uh, the good stuff, what to 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 savor, uh, what's not important. And it was really, truly an education because, you know, we look at, at people who have great success and we think they are only the roles they've played or the music that they play. And you forget that they're just people. Right, right. And the mentorship was very much so that it was... It was like an older brother. Yeah. Sort of saying, okay, I'm like, you know, 10 miles ahead of you on the road, and I'm going to tell you what to look out for, and I'm also going to tell you as you're driving down that road what things you should stop and look at and enjoy. That's amazing. And so the friendship has lasted for, I mean, now we're getting close to, ooh, I mean, that was, yeah, it's got to be close to 20 years. (laughs) It's just, it's one of those things where, even if he wasn't in the music business, the fact that I was lucky enough to have this friendship with someone who could give me advice that I don't think anyone else could because he'd been through it on so many levels. Right. And um, and also believed in me. Mm-hmm. You know, we work so hard in our craft and it's usually our peers that we're trying to say, like, get get some sort of affirmation of like, hey, you know, hey, man, Dan, that that was a great performance, uh, you know, uh, in that show. I loved your voice work in that show. And it's like, thank you, because 